0: Good morning. morning. It is uh, always a privilege to teach and preach God's word, but especially when we get to talk about forgiveness and the way God enables us with his amazing grace to forgive others because it is one of the biggest struggles we all have. I know if you're human, it's happened to you that you have been hurt by others, either perceived or really or both. And I know that you've worked through it as a Christian and got some insights and learned to forgive and then forgot what you learned about forgiveness and it all came creeping back again. Left alone with your thoughts, you found yourself in the same place you had been before. Which makes the teaching and the preaching about forgiveness and the power to forgive from our God who forgives us always relevant, always needed. Always useful. Even if it's revisiting old stories. And this is an old story. It's from the, the oldest book in the Bible, Genesis. Genesis is 50 chapters long. This story takes up the last 14 chapters. That's a lot. That's about one-fourth of the book of Genesis. is about the life of Old Testament Joseph. And our, our, the scripture for us to look at To learn about God's amazing grace for forgiving others is the very last part of the story. There's only a few verses after this, and the book is finished. And the next book is Exodus. It opens up 350 years later. So we're going to look at it, but right before we read it, I want to just remind you of the cliff notes of Joseph's life. So there are three men called the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are... Abraham grandfather Isaac's son of him and then Jacob the grandson Jacob has two wives it's all in the story how that happened in their Eastern culture Rachel and Leah they have two ma- maidservants they had a baby war because that was all about what they were about as a family and Jacob ends up with 12 sons from the four women his favorite wife is Rachel Rachel was barren until the end of the baby war And then she comes in with a last-minute three-pointer and gets Joseph and Benjamin. And Jacob was elated. And Jacob laid all his praise, it seemed, to the brothers on Joseph. And Benjamin sort of got the leftovers riding on his brother's coattails. Joseph got a coat of many colors, a sign of prestige. He got all the favored jobs. The other boys had to go for days on end to follow the sheep and the goats and the donkeys into the pasture lands. Spending the night in the wide open spaces. Joseph got to run back and forth between home and them and give reports to his parents. Joseph was, in their mind, a brat. A snotty nose, favored brat. And it wasn't fair. And they knew it and they felt it. And here comes Joseph uh, having a dream. And now it, now it appears. And the appearance was correct it appears that God has favored Joseph also. God gives Joseph two dreams. Uh, I won't bore you with those details, we don't have time, but basically the two dreams both say that Joseph's brothers and his mom and dad are all gonna bow down to him one day as the lord of the family, the lord of their region, the king. So now you're already jealous of your brother, dad's already favoring, now God seems to be favoring because God gives him these dreams so he says, and Joseph unwittingly tells his brothers and family all about the dreams which made him hate him only more. So the next time he came to get a report, they grabbed, the brothers grabbed him, put him in a hole in the ground, and started talking within his earshot that they were going to kill him. And a couple of the brothers said, we just can't do that. We cannot kill our brother, no matter how much we hate him. And so they talked him into selling him to slave traders who were passing by, the Ishmaelites, and they sold their brother into slavery. And usually, when you did that, as somebody up in the Holy Land, and they went 500 miles away with your brother as a slave, you never saw them again. They were dead to you. People will say that instead of forgiving someone. They'll say, they're dead to me. Joseph was dead to his brothers. And they wanted him to be dead to his father too, and and it really was. They they took his coat of many colors and they smeared blood on it of a goat from a goat and they said, we found this robe. We don't know what happened to your boy. And dad said, oh, certainly a wild animal has killed him and so he lived in mourning as if Joseph was dead, but he wasn't dead. Joseph went through the next 20 years knowing that his dad thought he was dead. Well, he didn't know what his dad thought. And he, he went through with his brothers wanting him to be dead and he was dead to them. His life, un- it was not planned it was not what he wanted it didn't match the dreams it was extremely hurtful it was PTSD material he got sold and then sold again just like property and he got sold to Potiphar the captain of the guard and Potiphar's wife started to try to seduce Joseph but God was with him it says during this and Joseph gets everything in he's in charge of everything in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife wants to ha- have sex with him and so she grabs his cloak one time and nobody's around tries to pull him into the bedroom he pulls out of the cloak he is vehemently protecting his his master and he's keep protecting his purity and he runs out of the house saying I cannot do this wickedness against God and my master and she's had enough of his spurning her She lies about him and says, he tried to rape me. Look, I grabbed his cloak when he ran off because he got scared. And Potiphar throws him in jail. So unfair. Brothers sell you into slavery. This woman lies. And Potiphar, who went for trusting you implicitly with everything, goes, it's treating you like a criminal. It's only getting worse. You ever felt that way? It's only getting worse. And now he's in jail for quite some years. God was with him he gets blessings, he gets trusted by the jailer, and he gets the keys, and now he's a, he's a prisoner who's also the trustee of the prison. So he gets to see all all of the prisoners. He's not just off in a little isolation. He's getting to know everybody. And Pharaoh's worried that the baker and the cupbearer are trying to kill him, so he throws them into jail. And while they're there, they have a dream. And the jailer says to them, oh, we've got somebody who can interpret dreams. God gives him dreams sometimes, and he pulls in Joseph. And the dreams basically were telling these guys that one was going to die in three days and the other would be reinstated. And Joseph's thinking, my ship has come in. He goes to to the cupbearer, you're going to be reinstated in three days. I'm here unjustly. It's unfair that I'm here. He said, when you get back there with Pharaoh, he's the king of the land. Get me out of here remember me and the baker goes oh he's going to be reinstated well my dream was similar to his what does it mean and he says uh three days you're going to die and that's exactly what happened now you would think that the cupbearer after all of that would get in the next week get his business taken care of and get the paperwork done to get joseph extricated and brought before pharaoh right Uh uh-uh he forgot him willingly willfully didn't think he was important enough to keep in his ram pile in his head he forgot him until the pharaoh had a dream and when pharaohs and kings there's several stories in the bible like this when they have dreams they take people's heads off who cannot interpret them pharaoh had a dream and pharaoh said i, I it's disturbing me it was it was two dreams and they they seem alike seven good years seven bad seven what seven good cattle seven skinny cattle seven grains good grains of stock seven bad grains well i don't it seems well, i don't know what and they said the the cupbearer goes ah i remember there's a guy that can interpret it we'll all be safe he'll i'll bring him they got him cleaned up they brought him in joseph heard the dreams and he said god will give you the interpretation you heard it twice because it's going to really happen there's going to be seven years of rain you know what rain is after this week you didn't you didn't last sunday i told the people in temple that i had to explain what rain was um but this week we know so it rained for seven years at, like it was supposed to lots of sunshine and he said save all the grain you can because there's going to be seven years of famine and he goes get somebody in charge because you can't handle this and he goes well who's better than you and he put him in charge and then joseph's brothers are living throughout the famine after the seven good so years are passing now, Joseph, for seven years, is in charge of Egypt under Pharaoh, and it's all there in this story. And then his brothers come because they are starving to death. They're coming with droves of other people. They walk in. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. Now he's left with a decision. How are we going to play this one out since they're bowing down to me the way the dream said? And I've had 20-plus years to go through all this growing and learning and thinking and wondering what God is up to and wondering who I am to blame and whether or not I forgive them and if I ever get my chance uh, what will I do with it and now it's I'm faced with it and you can see him agonizing in the story by the way he doesn't reveal himself and sends them away with grain but their money is restored inside the sack and brings them back in and says they're spies and he's testing them and he's testing himself and he's not sure what he's going to do and after a long saga, go read it, it's a lot of fun he finally decides in chapter 45 he's going to reveal himself to them and he says come close to me and he says I am your brother whom you sold into slavery and you would think that the next thing he's going to say is Didn't I tell you you would bow down to me one day? Here it is No You know what the next thing was that he said this is amazing and by the way don't say well I Can't forgive the person that hurt me because I know Jesus does but he's Jesus Joseph is flesh and blood sinner just like you This is what he said next Don't be mad at yourselves Are you kidding me? I'd want them to be mad at themselves. You do too when you want to forgive someone. you like, I want them to be sorry. I want them to be mad at themselves, right? Don't be mad at yourselves. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. For the saving of many lives. And to save for you a remnant, which from whom would come the Savior, he didn't say that, but he said the remnant. Save for you a remnant. Is my dad still alive? Oh yeah. You get to go tell him I'm alive and bring him here. He said, we've only had two years of famine. We're having five more. You're not going to make it. I'm going to take care of you and all of your children. I want to get to know all of you. I've lost 20 years. I want to know all of you. I, I care for you. I will care for you. Just come. And so very cautiously, the story goes on and they bring Jacob and he gets to spend Jacob as an old man from 130 to 147 years old he gets to spend 17 years with Joseph as the king of Egypt and his brothers and the thing that they were jealous about remember actually was their salvation on earth they not only shouldn't have been jealous of Joseph. They should have been excited that they got to be that guy's brother (laughs) because he took care of his kids, kinfolks, right? And yet they had spent so many years jealous of him when actually God was giving them a gift through raising up their brother. Joseph understood that. They had a hard time understanding it. And Joseph lived in something that now I'm, I'm leading you toward this. I want you to be able to understand something. Stories like this are not as valuable as they may seem if you do not learn that God preserved them so you would be released and freed up from the things that you struggle with because you are a sinner. He doesn't just throw stories out there so you'll say, wow, what a cool dude that is. That's not why the Spirit wrote it. He wrote it so it would free you and me from the things that keep us from forgiving others that shackle us. And it's happening to all of us that we struggle with forgiveness. So listen carefully. When dad dies, Jacob dies, the brothers are worried that Joseph's been holding off, getting even, because dad was alive. Dad's this kingpin, the one that favored him, the patriarch of the family the one that's about to bless all of them, one by one by one, right? And so when he dies, he's already done the blessing, and when he dies, they send a message to Joseph, and now I'll read it to you. And now we're going to enter the holy sanctum of the insight of what I had on that opening picture. If you can flip back to that first slide, please, from the booth in the back. Okay, ready for this? when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph. They can't just walk in on their brother. He's the king's right-hand man. They sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. That's 37 years earlier they're hanging on to the guilt and the vulnerability that knowing that Joseph could get even 37 years when you hang on to stuff it's like it was yesterday whether you're the perpetrator or the victim right but it's been a long time now please forgive the sins of your servants of the God of your father and when their message came to Joseph He thought, I'm glad they are still feeling guilty so they won't hurt me anymore. No, he didn't say that, but you say that. And I say that sometimes because we think the law is more powerful than the gospel. But he didn't say that, he wept. And we're gonna explore that in a minute. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. So if the message doesn't do the trick, Look at us. We'll just be your slaves. Everything that the dreams had said is now done 17 years after the first time it happened. And now it's even more total. It's totalitarian. They are completely just saying, we'll be your slaves. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives this is way after the seven years of famine right this is like 15 years later and he still he knows he's in this place to save many lives so then don't be afraid I will provide for you and your children and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them and that's the last thing we hear about what he says to his brothers about this issue the rest is about burying his bones and then taking them when he dies Joseph's bones to be with them, you know, five or 400 years later to the Holy Land, which has a whole another beautiful insight. Here's what I want you to see. Go back to that first slide. Thank you for going through the scriptures with me. When we talk as Christians about the power to forgive anyone, we talk a lot about the cross. That's what pastor did. Pastor Herring went with the children's message. He told the kids that because Jesus has forgiven us, we have the power to forgive others. And I'm, like, I'm going to glue that together with what I'm about to tell you as we wrap up the sermon. But I, here's what I want to tell you. In Jesus' other hand is an insight that Joseph talks about here. And Joseph doesn't talk about the cross, probably because Joseph didn't know about the cross. Joseph lives thousands of years before Jesus. But he knows about the God who is graciously guiding all things. Our God is a God of grace. He is the God of grace. Everything about him is grace. Grace is undeserved love. He made you in grace. You didn't deserve it, and he didn't ask you from eternity as a spirit. Some religions, even religions of the Bible, will say you were a spirit before you were born. You were not. He invented you out of nothing. He made your soul. You didn't ask to be a soul. Then he put you on this planet, gave you the privilege to live, even though he knew you'd be a sinner and part of the big mess and the big problem. And he decided from eternity, he would guide the events of your life. Sometimes you'd be the decider that's part of the you know, making the event happen. Sometimes you'd be just a victim of what happened. But he decided all the events of your life in his providential grace to turn it out for good for you. Everything in your life, what you think is good, what you think is bad, is meant to turn out for good for you when it's all said and done. And Joseph figured that out before he died, by the grace of God. But have you? there it was a it was a christian movie a few years ago that popularized that statement god is good all the time right but it's a it's the bible that teaches it god is good all the time god minute for good i could right now in a chanting form just have just talk about events of our lives that are common to us when someone hurt us when someone forgot about us when someone abused us when someone ripped us off and we could have you say at the end of every one of those god meant it for good and we would be a hundred percent accurate whether you see it or feel it or not and Joseph did not always see it in his circumstances but you don't find God in your circumstances you find him in his words. and the dreams for Joseph before there was a Bible were his words but for us it's not our dreams it's the words of God so Just for a moment, rather than going through that little litany of chanting, I just want to hear you say it, okay? So I'm going to say God is good, and you say all the time. God is good. All the time. Okay? No matter whether or not I see it or not, please. No matter whether or not I see it or not. Okay, we're going to say that too. No matter or not whether I see it. Because of His promises. I believe this. I believe this. This is Now, I've, I've, been, I've been boasting this is how you forgive people. One is because, and we're going to now start to glue this together, Jesus on the cross for you. But the other one is knowing that God was working good. So that person that you've been struggling to forgive, like the brother of Joseph, like Potiphar and his wife, like the cupbearer, that person you've been struggling to forgive god was doing something good through them if you they may not be alive anymore if you could picture them standing in front of you or maybe they're still with you and you saying you intended to harm me but god meant it for good you're living if you can see yourself saying that you're living now in the freedom of this story that it's intended to give you god intended it for you don't be mad at yourself and I'm not mad at you anymore here's the key though you want to be able to say that in the middle of the story before your ship comes in because of the promises of God because your ship may not come in no it most likely won't completely come in until you get to heaven and you see All the good that was done. Things that you could never discern while you're a sinner trying to sift through the details over and over again. Did you catch when Joseph said, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? You know why we sift through the details sometimes when someone hurt us trying to figure out how to forgive? Because we think as a God of our own, we have to figure out how to forgive on our own wisdom and strength. We have to figure out how bad it was, how long it lasted, what it really did cost us, what we'd really like to see from them and how we'd like for them. And all of that is the glory of kings in the Proverbs it says, to search out a matter, it's the glory of someone who's full of themselves. And you've got to come to that where you, you repent of being full of yourself. Which brings us to the cross. The crosses of the Romans were meant to victimize perpetrators. They had their, the Romans had their many reasons, but no, make no mistake, it was not, in America, our, our culture is a humane execution. Their culture was as inhumane as you can make it. The two soldiers on the crosses next to Jesus were mad. They were angry and hurt and unforgiving because of what was happening to them, right? And one was converted by the grace of God that he saw in his Joseph, Jesus. He saw that Jesus was much more than Joseph, though. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said to the other guy, we don't have any right to be mad. We got to get over ourselves. We've done a lot of wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. Don't you fear God? We're about to face him. Joseph and Jesus have a lot of similarities, but Joseph pointed to Jesus. But Joseph didn't die for the sins of his brothers. He was sold into slavery. Jesus was killed by his brothers. And that's you and me. We've killed him. We're no better than the people mocking him. We're no better than the thieves on the cross. It's for the sins of the whole world. God so loved the whole world, the whole batch of sinners Here's the key, the, the victim and the perpetrator are just as evil as one another in a, the eyes of a holy God. But you go to a holy God and you say, you have died for me. You have saved me. And I can see that the events of my life, here's the Joseph story, the events of my life have been leading me to the cross all along. And so I see in the cross the grace of God, and I see in the way you've led my life through troubles and people have been allowed to hurt me, the grace of God to help me to come to the end of myself and the beginning of letting you be my everything, my God and my Savior. And somewhere in some of the words that I'm saying, for some of you, it's actually going in and out of feeling real. And there is your journey of spirituality as you meditate on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Word of God because he these are the words of the Bible about the power to forgive there's two hands the providential grace and the providence of the cross and they are about the God of grace and when Joseph's brothers said after 17 years of being around a man who forgave and loved them and took care of them we think it's fake we, we think it's going to depend on our apology and our promise to be slaves They made him weep. You can speculate why, because it doesn't say, but I speculate the reason he wept was that he knew the power of the gospel to create and restore relationships that were broken by sin, and they did not. Even the perpetrator can live under the law while the victim lives under grace, and then the victim is still robbed of the perpetrator's love because there's no grace-filled love, it's law love. That's no real love at all. And Joseph longed for that, living in the grace of God. He longed for a close relationship with his brothers that it would restore. What he had learned would restore them, and it didn't up to that point. He wept. So what are you going to do? Well, now, I'll get him for not believing I'm a gracious guy after 17 years of taking care of him. You see how quickly you and I fall off the wagon and start to judge again each other he didn't it says he spoke kindly to them and said I'll take care of you because he would not let anyone get him to stop living by grace see grace isn't something you do grace isn't just something you receive grace is a room that you live in it's who you are And every sinner, and we're all that, that, and every Christian, and when we're all that, who says they live in grace but struggles with forgiveness knows they still have work to do in understanding the grace of God that's in their life. Most famous verse in Romans 8. It's a chapter about suffering at the hands of the Romans. Christians were, Paul wrote it. Famous verse in Romans 8, 28. If if I'll start saying it, you try to say it with me. we We worry about accuracy, okay? We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Man, can't you see how God worked out everything good for Joseph? King of the land in charge of everything filled with love and generosity you know what verse 29 is no because we have so much fallen in love with verse 28 we divorce it from the verse that the spirit put it right next to you because the spirit was not trying to tell us just a sound bite the spirits telling us a whole chapter you rip it out of its context and you lose what I've put on the screen of Jesus showing you the power to forgive. So here it goes. I'll, I'll say 28 and 29 together. We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. For means the F O R, for, that means here's the purpose. Ready? For those called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew from heaven, he foreknew them. He also predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now I said, Joseph, in forgiving his brothers pointed to Jesus he's like Jesus right what does Romans 8 28 29 say God's trying to do to you when he lets you suffer at the hands of other people he's conforming you to the image of Jesus so you'll be like Jesus so you'll point to Jesus in the way you treat others when you live in grace so when they actually know they've hurt you and they see you live in grace when after years of knowing how badly they hurt you, they see you're still living in grace. When all the, the stop gaps and the walls of protection are off and it's just the two of you alone and they're in a vulnerable position and now you can get your pound of flesh, they see you forgive them and love them and that's not you. You know what happens? They see Jesus. And when you quit quoting all of their wrongs and making them pay in all of your emotional ways that you want them to pay, they see Jesus. Jesus God wants them to see Jesus in you and that's what he's been doing by giving you the opportunity to live out a life that was hurt like Joseph's was he wants you to see Jesus he wants them to see Jesus by making you into Jesus but you can't do it yourself you can only do it by looking to Jesus and letting him letting him fill you with who he is or you like he did that thief on the cross like he does for everybody else Do you see what I'm saying the, uh, the cupbearer forgot Joseph I pray that you never do but more importantly when you are remembering Joseph and you're going I don't think I can do that I hope you remember Jesus, because He does do it in you and through you. We're not worried about perfection, we're worried about the direction of your life. And that's how providential care of God and the cross of Jesus are the two tools in the left hand and the right hand to help you forgive. Amen. I'm going to give you one footnote so you have it when you think about this. Trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. So you, you can forgive a person. That doesn't mean that you'll resubmit yourself to every whim that they have. Joseph was careful. You can be careful too. But trust maybe is worthy of a whole nother sermon.